Hey, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us. Well, one of our favorite authors in the world is in studio with us, William Kent Kruger, for his book, This Tenderland. And our book club sponsor is Winding Trail Books, which is located in Milton Square in St. Anthony Park. And you're going to be doing a book signing there November 12th. Yeah, they're right in my neighborhood, and they are just wonderful folks. Oh, I love this bookstore. And this used to be... uh, Muffaletta? It's around Muffaletta, isn't it, where it used to be? It's right close to Muffaletta's, which has changed. Hands. It's now Nico's. Yeah, uh, it's close to where um, Macalbers used to yes, be. That used yes, to be yes, the yes, local so that's bookstore. Our bookstore in that little neighborhood. Yeah. So Winding Trails book. So we thank them very much. So okay, it's so Describe, good to see you. Yeah, this he's book. Minnesota's own. Yeah, William Kent Kruger. <laughs> so he has to get that in. And you know, I um, it was just this book is so good. It's this tender land. So tell us how it came to be. Well. um, because it's different than your Cork O'Connor series. Yeah, I've written two standalones that are companion novels that are both quite different from the stories I write for my Cork O'Connor series. Six years ago, I published Ordinary Grace. Which was one of our favorite books that oh, year. It's done so... It's sold almost a million copies I know, that's amazing. Yeah, I hope you're taking really your well. wife on that's, fabulous yes. vacation. <laughs> I treat her very nicely, thank Good, you much. Okay. <laughs> um, and, uh, and I always knew I wanted to write a companion novel. I took a whack at it, spent two years trying to write a companion novel that sucked to this ordinary grace to ordinary grace um it was uh it was under contract but i asked my publisher not to publish it so i could really write the book i should have written which turned out to be this tender land and Um, in what way are the two stories related uh, i call them companion novels because for for anybody who's read ordinary grace it's not a sequel to ordinary grace it doesn't deal with the drum family who are at the heart of ordinary grace i call it a companion novel because like ordinary grace it's set in southern minnesota and like ordinary grace it's set in an earlier time ordinary Mm -hmm. grace if you know the work was set in 1961 this tender land is set in the summer of 1932 deep in the great depression Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay and and Give people the setup. Oh, so good. Okay, it's the Tenderland. Uh, it's uh, so it takes place in the in the Great Depression, the summer of 1932. It's the story of four orphans running from the law because they've committed a terrible crime, but for the right reason. They know if they take to the roads to get away, they'll be caught really quickly because a huge manhunt has been launched to capture them. They're afraid to ride the rails as everybody was doing back in the Great Depression because the railroads back then were patrolled by private cops called bulls, and the bulls had a reputation for being incredibly cruel so the kids are afraid to ride the rails instead they decide to take to the rivers they canoe a river called the gilead to the minnesota river they canoe the minnesota river to the mississippi and their plan is to canoe all the way down the mississippi river to st louis where they believe they have family and they'll be safe I've always wanted to write an updated version of Huckleberry yeah. Finn. Yeah. This is my Huckleberry Finn. Well, and you it. know, I was reading about that, and I feel like we should know this about you now, but your dad, you know, was an English teacher, right? That's right. And so you fell in love with Huck Finn as a child. Uh-huh. And Ernest Hemingway was your favorite. He was, he was for a very long time, the guy I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Isn't that something? Well, just in yeah. the sense, the adventure, the voice, I guess the young boys, the different kind of cast of characters where everybody is bearing some kind of, you know, horrible something, but yet the human, I don't know. I the get where, ch- I see where yeah. all of that, that influence comes from because your stories do read like that. Yeah, um, I uh, I write a more um, I write a more fluid prose than Hemingway wrote. He was pretty uh, staccato, pretty straightforward. 
I don't do that anymore, although I tried for a very long time. No, I wrote uh, I wrote a story that I hoped would flow mm-hmm. in the way a river flows, the way the rivers that the kids are oh. on uh, would flow. And it is a series of adventures that the kids have as they flee this horrific environment uh, where they were essentially prisoners for a very long time. And so they flee toward a place where they believe hope awaits them i'll give you let me give an example of william's prose okay because i had to underline this i just was like we breathe love in and we breathe love out it's the essence of our existence the very air of our souls i mean you write these sentences all over the place in your books you're so good my editor wanted me to cut that sentence and i said no way it's so good (laughs) it's so good and so it's it's the book you know, starts out with these two brothers, Odie and Arthur, that are orphans, and they go into this school for um, Indians in Minnesota. And, you know, I've you've always written, had Indians um, as part of, you know, your Cork O'Connor series and everything. And, and I was reading that you got a lot of um, this book from Pipestone, My Life in an Indian boarding school. Mm-hmm. What is it? Have you always been fascinated with American Indians? or? Well, I was a cultural anthropology major in college. That so makes I've sense. been fascinated by other cultures for a very long time. My, um, my awareness and my understanding as it exists um, of the culture of the Anishinaabe, the, the Ojibwe, really began as a result of my decision to write stories that included the Ojibwe as an element of what I was going to write, mm-hmm. which came about as a result of my decision to set my Cork O'Connor series up north. And you can't really tell a true story set in northern Minnesota without including the Ojibwe as an element of the work, because their influence up there is ubiquitous. It's everywhere, and mm-hmm. it's powerful. Um, so I, uh, I fell back on my old research skills from college and began to learn about the Ojibwe culture, meet members of the Ojibwe community, and uh, and it's progressed very nicely for me, and I hope for the Ojibwe community since then. Yeah, and it is kind of scandalous when you think oh. about what that they would take these Native kids and send them to boarding schools so Not, that they wouldn't be, you know, na- I mean, taking them away. Taking away and, the language, making them dress like other children, you know. it's We don't really know that much about it. It's really not taught or part of our history. Uh, it, it seems to be like... Yeah, it's it's another one of those uh, uh, portions of our history that we simply want to ignore. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for a hundred years, uh, the law was, if you were a Native American parent and the government came to take your child and ship them off to a boarding school, maybe hundreds of miles from their home, from the reservation, um, you could do nothing about that. Yeah. That mm-hmm. was the law until 1978 when the National Indian Child Welfare Act was passed. Aren't we Isn't kind that... of doing that at the border right now? <laughs> it's just history not repeating itself. <laughs> Don't get me started. I know it, but I you, mean, it's... really... It's that's crazy that it was so 1978 when the laws changed. Yeah. It's um, the book. If you're just joining us, we have William Kent Kruger, St. Paul's own, and this Tenderland, which is just it was on the New York Times bestseller list. Three Lauren, weeks. You were the indie <laughs> book pick. Um, that was the number one pick mm-hmm. for the indie, indie stores across the country yeah. in September. And you know, um, there's themes throughout the book, and what this the spirit of these young people in that. Love was always the bottom line of everything you do. Yeah, what I wanted to talk about, one of the things I wanted to talk about in this tender land is what is family. 
And family so much more than simply blood ties. We're bound by our love for one another. We're bound by the history that we share. We're bound by our goals. Sometimes we're bound by geography. Um, and I wanted to talk about children who were leaving a horrible place behind in search of something better and really in, ter- in search of them, their true selves. Mm-hmm. And they were so young. I mean, these they're so young. And I loved, you know... Well, Sister I, Eve. Oh well, let, yeah. I, let's I talk about the, the, I mean, the traveling, <laughs> oh the revivalists, because I do know from some other like historical fictional books we've read about read where in the Great Depression there were more circuses and like revival church, whatever you call them, these big traveling, traveling things. So circuses and then these traveling that that was a thing that did happen. Was that part of your research that you found out that that was a big thing in the Depression? There was a huge revival movement in the early part of the 20th century all over the country. By the time the Great Depression uh, came around, that had died out in much of the country, except the South and the Midwest. You still found lots of traveling uh, evangelical um, religious revival Mm -hmm. programs going on. and, uh, And I based my... Sort of, Gilly, sort of Gideon healing crusade mm-hmm. after the kinds of revival shows that used to um, frequently appear in small towns and also large cities in the United States during the Depression. They were still happening. But And Sister Eve was such a lovely... She was one of my favorite characters. I, she was... Because we don't know what to think about her. No, I, don't know what I didn't think about know her. at all until, yeah. until you do know. Yeah. You yeah. know, until you do know. And then the twist at the end of the book. Surprising. Oh, good. Su- very surprising. Didn't expect that at all. Well, then I did my job. You did. I mean, oh my gosh. But the Sister Eve, just her spreading of God's wonder and of love and how there's something else besides us. You know, I thought that was really magical. I love Sister Eve uh, for many reasons, one of which is she's really a woman of the world. She's a worldly woman. Yes, she, she is. She understands uh the uh, the darker nature of, of human beings, but she also understands how they can achieve something better, how she can help them achieve something better. Yeah, it was like she could overlook some of the things that they were doing in her fervent belief to get people to believe. There you go. You yes. know? I you mean, go. that was like if you would have some more hope, you know, there is something self-fulfilling sometimes about Reach that. Reach down into yourself. All you need is there. Yeah. And she helps them see that. Yeah. Oh, oh, all right. We oh, got to take a break. So we're with. I want to read it again. We're with William Kent Kruger. <laughs> the book is called This Tender Land. We'll be right back. Thanks for hanging out with us. We're talking to William Kent Kruger about his um, coming of age story called This Tenderland, which we just absolutely 
Love, and I know that you're going to be at the Rain Taxi Book Festival this weekend at the State Fair. Is that Saturday? It is Saturday, all day Saturday, and it's the Twin Cities Book Festival sponsored by Rain Taxi. Okay, all right, so tell us what happens at this, because it sounds like it's going to be a crappy day here and a good day to be at a book festival. Oh, it's an absolutely perfect day to be at a book festival and listening to authors uh, talk with each other and talk with the audience about writing, about their work, about the joy of stories, of reading, the importance of the written word. Um, boy, you are walk out of there a much better person than you walked in. All right, so like name drop some of the people that are going to be there with you, William Kent Kruger. Sure, I'm going to be in conversation with Leif Enger. Uh, mm-hmm. For uh, listeners out there who don't know his work, he is... No one writes better prose than Leifanger. Peace I, like I, a river. Yeah, peace like a river. I discovered him with that stunningly beautiful work, followed by so brave, young, and handsome in his most recent Virgil Wander. Mm-hmm. He is a magnificent, luminescent so storyteller. So you two are going to talk. Books. So we're going to talk oh uh, about storytelling, okay. and I'm looking forward to that immensely. Um, let's see, Faith Sullivan is going to be there. Um, Ben Percy is going to be there. Uh, oh, lots and lots and lots of people are going to be Hilo there. Connor, I think, yeah. is going to be yeah. there. Yeah. So a lot of authors that, you know, we've had on. And so is it like a all-day thing? Yeah, it starts early in the morning or sort of mid-morning-ish Mid-dim- and runs until uh, very late to in the five. afternoon. Okay. There 10 to go. 5. Yep. Does and it cost anything? I think it's free. I'm trying yeah, to get there. I'm pretty it sure it's free. Yeah, it is free. Yeah. All right, sweet. All right, so you're going to be author at panels, presentations, readings, signings. Has Cork O'Connor your series? Is that going to be like a like a Bosch series on Amazon? Oh, that be I would fun? really love to see Seriously. that happen. <laughs> get a snowbay, get filmed up in Hoyt Lakes. You know? Yeah, yeah. Do you guys want to be my agents in Hollywood? <laughs> sure. <for that>? You <laughs> we'll are so it. enthusiastic. You could probably make love it happen. It. Actually, there are negotiations going on even as we speak. Really? For that. Um, I've got a. I'm. I'm going to be on a conference call next week for um, a possible original filming of Ordinary Grace <gasps> for uh, Netflix. Original oh, really? movie for Netflix. That's that what we're talking about. Oh. But you know, I've been dealing with Hollywood for yeah. years and years and years. I never believe anything until it's actually inked in blood on the page. Yeah, so. and we hear that from other authors. Yeah. Yeah. say, this- "Oh, that book got optioned like five years ago, and it's been in limbo, and it's yeah. getting passed around." And so every once in a while, and it's more the once in a while that something gets really fast tracked. Yeah, like the girl in the window that got faster. Gone and Gone Girl. Gone yeah, Girl. The, the chain, chain is another one. Or it's production, but it's like the option. They want to snap up these good books, but you you want them. You want something to happen. Well, you, yeah. you don't necessarily want something to happen. Oh, what you, you want to happen is a really fine treatment of your novel or whatever yeah. by whoever translates it onto the screen. I mean, they can murder a really well, terrific the story. Did you yeah. read that? Uh, I never read The Goldfinch, okay. nor have I seen the movie. My mom loved okay. it. Loved the book in the hated movie. Hated the movie, right? Yeah. Everyone, Everyone hated, hated the, movie. the movie. Yeah. Including the uh, the actors who were in it, I think, that read the book based on their, you know, so people terrible. were just like, oh. If you're just God. joining us, we're with so William Ken Kroger. I'd rather Go have ahead. nothing happen than have a travesty made. Yeah. yeah, you you said something about you know being a middle. It's not middle of the road, but a midline. Midlist. Midlist. Mid-list. We call Thank them midlist. And that's you're not number one on the New York Times bestseller. You're always out there. You always have good books, 
but it's called Midlist. I never heard that before. Mm-hmm. I do, Laurie. Yeah, in the business, it's called Midlist because you exist in terms of sales, sort of in the middle of everything. And if you it, you can linger there. Yes. Uh, and it used to be that would be okay for a publisher anymore. If you start to linger there, they cut you because what they want to see is an upward trend in your sales. But I am with a publisher, Simon and Schuster. Um, my imprint is, is Atria, who has who for a very long time was willing to allow me to grow. My sales were slow at first; they were always gradually upward, but they were slow at first. And then suddenly we began to see this nice sharp rise, and uh, things have been sort of meteoric of late. Uh, I'm quite happy. Yeah, <laughs> I would. I would imagine so. But this is something that we're hearing is how you know we know how the music industry changed. How has the book publishing industry changed so much for people? Say we always get worried about our independent bookstores. I mean, those are our lifeline for re. I mean, I right. don't ever not want to have that ever be an. I, I, I that's so important. But yeah, even the publishers are changing how they. Okay. Pay right. We're you. talking about two different okay. aspects yes. here. One is the publishing aspect of it, and that has changed a great deal as a result, particularly of the digital age. So eBooks are far more important now than they used to be. A significant portion of Every author's income comes now from the sale of ebooks, virtual books. Is that um, added to the it added to the picture though, or is it had distracted? It. Uh, I think if you talk to any author, he or she is going to say, "I don't care how readers get my work. I right. just want them to have my work. And if right. an ebook is what they they're Prefer, familiar with right. and is easy for them, fine. That's just audio books are great. Yeah. You know, yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, but the on the book selling side, um, of course, Amazon has been the greatest challenge for the independent booksellers across the country. Mm-hmm. But you know what? And we lost a lot of the independent booksellers mm-hmm. when Amazon came onto the scene. But those we are beginning to see a rise now in new independent stores. Uh, opening up because these people are savvy business people. They under they have a good marketing plan. Mm-hmm. They understand the importance of connecting with the community uh, in so many ways, and and they're doing quite nicely. Yeah. Isn't that so nice? Amazon is being competed with now like in a that. pretty significant way. Because I also think a lot of the a, a local independent bookstore they're letting their people know. We you can order a book from you. We'll mail it to right. you. Know there it, we can act All like books Amazon. are available. And you yeah. know the other thing that bookstores can give readers that Amazon yeah. never can. Yeah, is a me. personal. Right. Yes, they can bring in authors. That's they right. They can connect the author personally with their readers. And people, I mean, everyone asks us always because yeah. we have book a book author on every week. Yeah. What did you like? What do you read? I mean, people want a personal touch when yep. it comes to re- recommending books. Yeah, and you get and you that guys from, do a wonderful job. Books, thank you. Thank you. From those of us who write the books, thank you. <laughs> well, we love reading. Yeah, I mean, we—I mean, it's just truly a pleasure to read, and just we like all kinds of stories. And you, I, we love your Cork O'Connor series, and then we fell in love with. We were just like we were blown away at Ordinary Grace, just that. The humanness, it just really touched us. It's I so rich. This book is so and rich. And then this ten- tender land. I mean, I was like, I almost, I like, I want to know. You <laughs> hint at Odie's. Yes, you do. Future. Future life. You refer to yes. World War Two. Is that like, do did we leave the book open for maybe a sequel to this tender land? No, I think I pretty much told the story you of the did. four vagabonds. I kind of wrapped up their lives. Um Odie, I left a lot of Odie on. Yeah, okay, un, then just yeah, let's yeah, have Odie. Let's just check so in with Odie. Maybe down the road we'll find out what Odie's life was like after he. This is he, William. 
William Kent Kruger's voice. People always say, you never say the author enough. You never tell us the title enough. So I keep saying that. <laughs> I like that you I called him William Kent Kruger. I just want to call you. I she gave you a completely stripper name. I did. <laughs> William Kent Kruger will be dancing. <laughs> That's with a C. Um, no, we. I know, but everyone always asks, who is that? Who's calling? Who's talking? But, you know, I was surprised even... In my area, in Woodbury, they opened up a brand new Barnes & Noble. Yeah. I was shocked. It's lovely, you know. It so here's like- what's happening with Barnes & Noble. Um, they were sold. Uh, they bought bought by a, a venture capitalist guy who had us a lot of money. But he turned over the running of that uh, chain to a guy who took over a what was the largest chain in Britain, and it was failing, and he brought it back. Oh, now he's in charge. I was just down in uh, Florida for the national. Keep going. We have one yeah. minute left. For the national you. convention of uh, Barnes and Noble managers, this guy spoke, and this guy got everybody on fire. Oh, We're going to see new life in Barnes and Noble. Yeah. new life in all of the all of the brick and mortar stores. It's so beautiful. Oh, good. That's good. so I'm exciting. Very excited to hear that. Yeah, you know, because that's just part of the pleasure of even finding a book. You have your recommendations. I always go in with a list, but then I like to just. Walk around and see what covers are saying love, hello to yes, me. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, the cover of your book, This Tender Isn't Land. It beautiful. It's mm-hmm. so beautiful. It's and so very perfect. evocative. Yeah. The sun on the Mississippi. I mean, it's just, yeah. you've got to, yeah, you're getting this good This would treatment. be a lovely gift for <laughs> for someone you adore, and it's a lovely thing just to gift to yourself, um, this tender land. We absolutely. We were captivated. Love having you here. Oh, I so love talking to you, too. Oh, no, and please say hi to Leif Eric's, um, Leif Larson. What's his name? Leif Anger. 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 He wrote... Because we didn't get to meet him in, in person, and we were dying to. Yeah, we talked to him for Virgil Wander, that crazy guy. That I is love a crazy that story. <laughs> that is a crazy story. say hi. Minnesota. It, it, you, you nailed it. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. All right, listen, thank you so much. The book is This Tender Land. We've got a couple copies to give away 651 641 1071.